This episode is sponsored in part by RLJE Films. From the producers of Black Christmas and the writer of Freaky, former King Cascass Michael Kennedy. What's up, Michael? Comes a blood-soaked Yuletide treat. It's a wonderful knife. A year after saving her town from a psychotic killer on Christmas Eve, Winnie's life is less than wonderful. But when she wishes she'd never been born, she finds herself in a nightmare parallel universe and discovers that without her, things could be much, much worse. Now the killer is back, and she must team up with the town misfit to identify the killer and get back to her own reality. Justin Long and Joel McHale star in this new take on the holiday classic. Critics are calling it a bloody good time and a perfect Christmas feature that'll both terrify and thaw out your heart. Do not miss It's a Wonderful Knife, now playing in theaters only. Get tickets at itsawonderfulknifemovie.com today. Nice. Well done. And I am here to talk to you about Fangoria. You know them. You love them. They are our corporate overlords, and they have been at it for over 40 years, putting out that delectable, uh, lovely magazine. This gorgeous magazine is highly collectible and delivered right to your front door four times a year. Each issue is filled to the rim with articles exploring every nook and cranny of genre filmmaking past, present, and future, with all the most exciting journalists, filmmakers, and horror know-it-alls to guide the way, including, from time to time, your intrepid King Cast host. I just turned in my piece for the next issue. Have fun uh, editing that, Scott. I threw Ooh, in extra la. commas just for you. Love it. Uh, the high quality writing, and I say that because, like I said, I just turned in my piece, will only ever appear within the physical pages of the magazine. So if you want to join in on the fun, and you damn well should, you should subscribe. And to do that, all you got to do is head on over to Fangoria.com and sign up. KingCast listeners are in the family after all, so here's a little nifty promo code for you. You can save a whopping 25% off your order if you use the code KingCast at checkout. This is usually the part where I say, now on with the show, but I'm going to offer a final warning. What you're going to hear on this episode is completely <laughs> ridiculous. You might it, not want to hear it. <laughs> now on with the show. Hi. My name is Stephen King. The ice! He's gonna break! Bad rub! Bad rub! Sir! Advise see a dead body. Well, sometimes, that is better. Hello and welcome back to the KingCast on the Fangoria Podcast Network. My name's Scott Wampler. And I'm Eric Vespi. And we are your hosts. Uh, folks, we have... <laughs> Well, we don't really know what we what we have today. <laughs> Our guest is a, well, he's a returning guest. He's also a writer, a producer, and certified hunk, known for his work on Kung Fu Panda, The Dragon Knight, Kipo, and The Age of Wonder Beast, Die Hard 2, and for causing a series of headaches for a number of movie blogs and the trades via his uh, faux movie premiere tweets uh, over the last several years. He's here today to help us conduct a very important experiment, um, a stress test of the mm. show, if you will. And uh, when I tell you that we have no idea what's going to happen next, I am telling you the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the KingCast stage, Mr. Ben Meckler. Ben, how are you doing today? I'm I I'm alive, man. I'm good. Yes. I'm, I'm here on Earth. That's all I got. It would have yeah. been really embarrassing <laughs> for you if we got on the line to record this and you were not alive. Yeah. 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 yeah you just heard a flat line. How are you doing, yeah. Ben? Boo. We're losing. Very problematic gone. for He's an gone. audio podcast. I yeah. gotta say, you hear my we wife might be able to roll. Wake up! Wake up! Yeah, 
I shouldn't yeah. have agreed to record it from my deathbed. <laughs> it was a mistake. It's just I us just firing would've... questions at a corpse sitting in a chair for an hour and a half. I, I would have pretended I was Ed Harris <laughs> in the abyss, and I just keep slapping you until you yeah. woke up. That's a way to do it. Yeah, so, yeah. um, it's been a while since since we we've, we've had you on the show. Much has occurred. Well, well, what do you what do you got going on? What do you, what can what can we promote on your uh, end today? You know, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um uh you know listen i uh i Got like i am strikes, i have huh? to imagine yeah i have to imagine many other writers i uh right before the strike happened i wasn't like midway through a show i was about to take out uh a few different projects anyone who knows me knows i do i do a little bit of everything so like i had a little live i had a live action movie that was going to go out to market i had a an animated TV show. I had a live action TV show and I was ready to, to take them out and then strike. So we did that for five months. And now um, we're edging up on that period of time where uh, everyone with buying power in Hollywood goes on vacation from two weeks before Thanksgiving to <laughs> three weeks after Sundance. Um, so sometime, yeah. if you check back with me sometime in February, uh, I will have something to promote um, well, why don't on, you pitch all of your good ideas on yeah, the air do you, now? How many, yeah, how many executives with buying power listen to this <laughs> podcast? Surprisingly, think... quite a few, actually. Okay. I, I, can, That's yeah, great. I can think of a couple. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, what do I got? What do I got? I'm trying to think. I don't think legally I can pitch any of these because I think I'm married to producers on like all of them. Mm. But, um, but if you respect me and want to uh, purchase a project, um, this is a great time to do that. I've never been more available to receive money from you and, and write a television show or film. Obviously, we can't talk about any of the projects that you you may be trying to pitch now. But um, you told me about a project a long time ago that I I would like to talk about a little bit on the air, if that's mm. OK. Yeah, probably. I can't remember which one it was. So I'm just going to say a it blanket. Was, yes. And then we'll see if I rescind that later. It was the, the <laughs> Mac and me sequel. Oh yeah, that's uh, I was just talking about the other that the other day actually. Yeah, the Mac and Me sequel is still dead. Um, yes, sadly. Yeah, because but um, can, what, <laughs> first of all, for anyone that's listening that's not familiar with Mac and Me, could you describe <laughs> Mac and Me to the audience? Mac and Me is like if ET was written by someone uh, with severe brain damage. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, in 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 Mac and Me, you get to see the ET, the Mac. Um, Yes. You get to see Mac's home planet and it's a planet that's kind of like if if you could drink Mars with a straw. Um yep. which mm. unfortunately is just me literally describing how it's presented in the film. So I I can't <laughs> I can't make it more um under comprehensible for you. Um yes. Yeah, so what if ET came from a planet that looked like Mars but you could drink it with a straw and then came to Earth and then got lost and um wound up with a child who loves McDonald's um, <laughs> and there's a dance sequence at the McDonald's and then mm -hmm. um, a child does get shot with a gun on screen in the movie <laughs> <laughs> and also a child in a wheelchair is thrown down a hill uh, right. as well in the film and um, even people who haven't seen the movie will will probably recognize this single clip from every time Paul Rudd has gone on a talk show he he brings this clip mm -hmm. from Mac and me Yes, to, it's, uh, it's to promote it's whatever Conan, he's working it's on. Conan specifically, right? It's yeah, like it's when Conan. Paul Rudd goes yeah. on Conan, he he gets his chance to promote the latest Ant-Man film and instead plays a clip from 
from Mac and me. Um, <laughs> I will it's admit worth, it's worth adding just to everything you said is true, but it's worth adding in there. It's the uh, only occasion that the McDonald's Corporation has gotten into the film production game. Yes. And that is painfully obvious when you watch <laughs> the yeah. movie. Like and McDonald's is like a cornerstone of, of the fucking narrative of this thing. But you told me that a while back you were trying to get. Yeah. So. So what had happened was I. Um, <laughs> I my writing partner, Chris Amick, and I uh, had a meeting at. I think it was MGM. McDonald's. I think at McDonald's. Well, no, McDonald's will come up um, as will Paul Rudd. So. We had a meeting at MGM and they were like, uh, here's a list of everything we own. Um, can you come up with a sequel for any of these? <laughs> and nice. we read the list and we're like, I mean, like we, we could, yes, but that's a tricky game because that's a question you get asked often as a professional writer. It's like, can you, can you do anything with this IP? And then you're kind of in like a territory of you know, do I want to come up with a story for something I don't own? And then maybe that time is, is wasted if it doesn't get set up. And right. then I don't own the material that I came up with at the end of it. Cause it's tied mm. to the thing. So, um, the one that, that came to mind for me that I, I believe was on the list was Mac and me. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time we'd been working a lot with Conan's production company. And I said, uh, what if as a sequel to Mac and me, we presented that Conan come on as a producer and uh, we go to Paul Rudd to star, and the movie is is called Mac and Me, comma Paul Rudd, and the movie <laughs> is about Paul Rudd um, having kind of like a mental breakdown because of the intense like diet and exercise that he has to to go through to stay in Ant Man shape all the time. Like it's a blessing; he's in amazing shape, but it's really taxing. It's hard. Mm. And then he's he's got to be a dad, and he's got to be a star, and he's got to be funny, but he's got to do action, and it's just a lot. And he's having a hard time. And then one day he sees the alien, the alien Mac comes to him asking for help, getting back to its home planet again, because uh, he just got lost again on Earth. And um, and Paul Rudd, the man, does not know if he's having a mental breakdown or if this is really <laughs> happening. Um, and you just make it silly. Like you just, you know, you do it David Wayne tone. Like you do, mm, right. you do that and you just make the movie. You just go at it. And so we brought that to Konako and they were like, we're in, we're in. It's not a question. Yes, that's a yes. <laughs> and then we brought it to MGM and they were like, that is so funny. Um, let's let's just double check that we own Mac and me because it's a little complicated. And I was like, Oh, you should have said that earlier. (laughs) And, (laughs) and, um, and then the answer we got back was we think McDonald's might own Mac and me. So this isn't really (laughs) something we can pursue at this time. Yeah. And they're not, they're not going (laughs) to undo those purse strings. You know, they're not going to give you the keys to that. To the to that to particular the, car, the McDonald's I, I, Kingdom, the, to the Golden Arches. But it, I get but the impression that McDonald's is maybe not so proud of Mac and Me. Oh yeah, maybe not. I don't. But know. it would fit the the narrative because you know what, uh, Paul Rudd realizes by the end of it, he just needs a delicious uh, double quarter pounder with cheese and some chicken nuggies. Yes, and she, he doesn't have to always race. be Ant Man. Yeah, and then he does the whole dance sequence because he feels yes. so good from Mac and Me. <laughs> in, um, the, and in the bear comes out to dance with him. Yeah. Oh, right. I forgot. They put Mac in like a fucked up bear costume. <laughs> yeah. the pretend to be too. a teddy bear. 
too too much, so they had to like put him in a costume. Well, they just... like they like took the ET thing like one step farther, where like an ET, it's like they gotta dress ET up like a doll, so he blends in with the dolls in the closet in that one mm-hmm. scene. And then in Mac and Me, it's like I gotta take Mac out on the town, but I gotta make him look like a freakish living teddy bear. <laughs> In order except, to cut the effects budget and also convince people that he's not an alien. Except we're yeah. not going to set it during Halloween, so it makes sense when we put a sheet over E.T. And yeah. We're going to put him in a bear suit now. Yeah. yeah, and the proportions of the suit are all wrong. Like, it wouldn't... Be, it's so... <laughs> yeah. It's... I, uh, if you've never... If you're listening to this and you've never seen Mac and Me, I give it my highest recommendation possible. Yeah. Like, I'll you also, absolutely must see it. I have to admit, and this is kind of how I rec- recommend watching it. I've actually never watched it past when the kid gets shot. That's the end. <laughs> I don't know what happens after that. I've watched it like half a dozen times, but I always stop it there. Because like for me, the ending of the movie is Mac is complicit in the death of this child that just tries to save him um, because he's an idiot. That's the other oh, difference. It's a really like, touching funeral scene yeah. that you're missing out on. It's kind of like oh, uh, My Girl style. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hawkeye's there. Uh... <laughs> the, the kid nobody recognizes because yeah, he had puberty Iron between Man Iron Man 3. 3 and Avengers. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> you have you have been on the show before. True. As you are aware. Yeah. <laughs> and and we wanted to bring you back. And I, I'm going to I'm going to lay out the premise of this episode now for the we, we are transitioning into this portion of the program mm, yes what happened here was we wanted ben back on the show and a title wasn't immediately springing to mind that either we thought he'd be a good fit for or that i would have gone through the rigmarole of going to ben and being like hey think of a title and then yada 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 so once he agreed to once he agreed to just do the show um we came up with the idea of what if we let Ben choose whatever he wants to talk about. It just has to be Stephen King related. Mm. But mm-hmm. Vespi and I have no idea what we're going to be talking about. Mm. That's, yep. that's the pitch here. Yeah. So we don't know what story or really any. We don't know anything about what's what's going to happen. You told um, this, me it just had to be something that's that's written by Stephen King. To yeah, talk that's about. true. It yeah. had to have it had to have come from him in some way. Yeah. And then I thought I, I caught you trying to trick me because you were like last night you texted me and you were like, so just to make sure it just has to be a, a thing that came from Stephen King. Right. And I was like, Stephen King, the horror author that we frequently talk about on our show, because what I oh. thought you might do is go find someone named Stephen King. Oh, no. Yeah, that hadn't even occurred to me, but that would have been a funny bit. <laughs> yeah. I thought I thought you were just being, you know, being yourself and, and being flowery in how you were answering my question. Oh, no. Yeah. No, no, no. Okay. I was I was anticipating whatever hijinks you were you were going to launch like or that you might come on and talk about the political career of rep S- Steve King. You know, yeah. with a with a. No, beat. I have nothing to say about him other than. Yeah, who does? I won't say it on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's really um, that's the premise here. Uh, Vespi, is there anything you want to say before before we get going? Oh, I'm just here for the ride and and waiting to show my whole ass without having the ability to do any research or uh, revisiting of any sort on whatever <laughs> title. 
uh, Ben is bringing here. So uh, mm. I am just waiting with bated breath for the reveal. All yeah. right. Ben, the okay. floor is yours. Um, listen, first off, I want to say uh, if I stop talking uh, midway through this podcast, it's only because I tried to uh, stay in a wooden table last night and have had a headache all morning. So it went really wrong and I breathed in a lot of fumes. So nice. that's subtext just for this podcast for the listener <laughs> okay. is that I uh, am high as a kite. Um, the uh, so. So. All right. So you. Yeah. You'd said like, you know, we want we want to have you know, fun, like just bring in anything you want to talk about, anything you're interested in. And a few thoughts had popped into mind. I was like, I don't know if they've covered Joyland, but I really enjoy mm-hmm. that book. And I feel mm-hmm. like there's, there's certainly stuff to say there. I, but then I was like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I have enough to say. It's been a long time since I read it. I then was like, Oh, did they ever cover that weird musical that Stephen King wrote with, with uh, John Mellencamp? Yeah. Um, Brothers of Ghost Lane County. Brothers of yeah. Ghost brothers county did you guys ever cover that i'm not going to talk about that we did mm. we we recently did a bonus episode on that one i believe okay cool it's uh yeah. it's it's interesting well, i would like yeah, to see we covered it in another it. episode kind of encompassing stephen king and music in stephen got king's it. got it world but yeah yeah that's that would be one that i would be sitting here going cool i don't know jack or shit about this i've listened to like in one song from that yeah. so i'm glad you didn't settle on that one I did wind up listening to it while I was staining the table, so my my memory <laughs> is hazy. Um, oh, you've heard? How is it? I uh, it's pretty good. It's it's interesting. Yeah, there's 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 weird stuff in it, and which I like. And then I I went and I like read the Wikipedia to get some context. Like, how did people like review this? Like, what was the critical thought? How off? How long did this run as a musical? Because it was a stage musical and a concept album. Yep. So. It, the one thing I found really funny was there were a lot of reviews that were like, finally, a musical by men for men, <laughs> which, which I thought was really funny because like the second song is like lightly misogynistic. <laughs> it's like, well, I I guess that I guess that is I guess that is a logical review for someone to write if that's words that would come to mind for them <laughs> listening to an album. That sounds um, like an Andrew Tate musical, not a it, Stephen it, King so much. It but. does. It's a bit of a Tate-sicle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't listen. I don't know if I don't know if it is a misogynist. But I again, like I was standing at the table and breathing in a lot of fumes, um, and so I don't remember most of it. I just remember the second song. I was like, "This is kind of weird." It's like it was basically like a. a it sounded like a femme fatale. It's called uh, "Get Back in the Kitchen." Slinky kind of and- ballad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm not going to talk about that. I I then like like a thought occurred to me after all that. I was like, you know what? Um. I hadn't thought about this in years, actually, to be honest, but like probably the first, possibly the first Stephen King thing I ever read was a short story that I was kind of obsessed with Hmm. uh, in college. So, so I remember this vividly. So like freshman year of college, uh, like first week, I was all excited. I was at FSU in Tallahassee. I was pumped. And um, there was like this, this like market out in, um, I want to say the quad. We never ever had anywhere called the quad. Now I don't even remember what we called this area because it's been so long since I was in school. But we had like this kind of open square um, where uh, once a week there'd be like a market where people could just bring a blanket and sell like DVDs, Blu-rays, books, whatever. And um, my friends and I went like first week and I remember (laughs) feeling so giddy because someone was selling like old porn magazines, like Mm -hmm. just old, old dirty magazines, but like the kind that, you know, would have like short stories and stuff. And I just thought like, hey, this is so funny. 
I was like chuckle, you know, me and my friends were giggling, like looking through this stack of old, like dirty magazines and B I was like, you know, and now I'm independent and I can just buy these, and just have them in my dorm and who cares? How, no one's going to judge me for this. If we can pause for just a yeah. moment, like how old are, are we talking? on? These? We're talking sixties, seventies. Like, okay. Yeah. Um, Full Bush era. Yeah. 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 For sure. Gotcha. We're going FB. Um, <laughs> and, and so, uh, so I, 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 bought an issue of rogue magazine have you ever heard of rogue no so it, what is it what is rogue's angle it wasn't like a full nude magazine it was it was kind of like one of the ones that were sort of in between where it was like you got you got saucy uh photo shoots you got you got boobies you got bikini shots but also like articles and short stories and literature. Actually, hmm. uh, Harlan Ellison at one point was an editor of of Rogue magazine. Really, um, tracks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but um, I'm I'm curious why you were so excited to see the picnic blanket covered in uh, old pornography. You, uh, so you even had the thought like I can just I, own this now, and then I, you went with the the PG thirteen version basically. Well, I remember that the cover was like there was something really funny about the cover, and I don't remember what it was now because the cover got ripped off like pretty quickly after that. But I but the magazine became like an <laughs> artifact, an important like artifact of my whole college experience. Okay, um, because there there was a Stephen King short story in it hmm. that was really good. Um, and like impactful on me, but also had like some kooky stuff in like classic Stephen King fashion. And I read it through like all of college. And um, my house was like the party house in in film school, like for the film school students. We we wound up like working weekends and summers on set, and so we didn't. We were like very insular, so like we all just had parties together. Like we didn't really like get outside of the film school clique. And and my house that I rented was like right next to where the film school was in the stadium of the school. So my house was like the party house. And so I got to like hold church at all of the film school parties. And I would like do readings of this short story because what? it was so, yeah, because it was so wild. And um, and another thing that happened with this with this magazine is that at the end of film school, I sold like everything I owned to try to finance moving to LA. And I looked on eBay and felt like I struck gold because I bought this thing for like 40 cents or like a dollar or whatever, like with mm-hmm. three other magazines. And um, I sold it for like $60 on eBay. Oh. So it was really, really rare, apparently. And every once in a while since then, not in years, I would like check eBay and see if anyone was selling this issue. It was, I want to say it was... Uh, August 1969 or maybe it was 1970 but but um I uh it's always selling for like $300 now <laughs> I always feel like such an idiot because I could have sold it for more but, but you said I, the cover was ripped off so the you cover was ripped off it wasn't yeah it wasn't what is it s tier or whatever like comic books sell. right it wasn't, it wasn't still <laughs> right. plastic um anyway uh I uh I sold it to move here and I regret it because it was such a thing and and so I want to talk about that short story but I will also say, like, I, 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 like, went like an archivist last night through like what what vestiges of this short do I have like at all? Because like it's not mm. printed online. Um, and is and it in any of the collections? It's not that I've oh. ever seen. Um, it, maybe I'm forgetting, and you'll tell me that I'm wrong. But um, uh, I. Well, what is it about? Well, I so so I'll get into that and and the title and everything. But I I just the end of the story is that I um. I do have, so like I did find when I sold it, 
I did this with like some like video game manuals too, which is funny because like completely useless. But I took pictures with my like BlackBerry cell phone of a couple of passages, like a couple of pages that I thought were like really funny that I'd read mm. to my friends in college. And then I, so I have some of those, but they're super low res and wouldn't download from the cloud. So they're not so readable. And then I also like, you know, there's just like what I remember of the basics of the story. Um, right. So that's what I have to work with. So the, the short story is called um, Alan's Penis. What? Alan's, the first name, Penis. A- um, okay. And, this is um, <laughs> real. All right, go on. Yeah. So, um, so it's called Alan's Penis. Uh, I have to imagine this was like during that period. I, I reread on writing like not that long ago during the strike because I needed to. Um, and I, I imagine this was like during the period for Stephen King when he was just like, you know, writing short stories for dirty magazines and working as like a dishwasher and just like trying to become a real writer as he saw it. Um, so I have to imagine that was like when he wrote it. And it's clearly like a little played up for... Um, I imagine like the context of where it was being published, but uh, it, it something I really like about it now looking back and thinking about it now is like, there's so much stuff in it that I think popped up so much in Stephen King's work, like later. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, and it, uh, it's just, it's cool. I don't like, is this, is this, I, I also wanted to ask, like, is it in a, do you, I, I'm guessing cause you asked me to clarify, you've not read the short before. I've never even heard of it. Never heard I'm of not, it. Yeah. You have, and, it's and, not and I'm going to be honest with you. You have not convinced me that it is real yet. <laughs> Alan's penis. Uh, fair, but I, 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 you know, I can only point to my experience and, you know, you can Google it. You can Google Rogue Magazine. It's, it's out there. This, the general arc of the story, it's this guy named Alan in rural Maine. How um, are we spelling Alan's name just for? Oh, A-L-A-N. It's an A, well. not an non L-E-N. Um, so this guy named Alan in rural Maine, uh, he's like starting college in the fall. He's doing like a summer job. His summer job is he's like restocking uh, soda machines for like part of the county. And it gets like really granular into like which part of the county and what his territory is. And in like a very Stephen Kingy way, that's like the stuff that I love so much about is it, it really is like evoking. It's, it's reaching for all the stuff that he's kind of like done. It's like he was fully formed out the gate in like all of his stories. But like, it, you know, it's. It's like late summer, it's early fall, it's talking, I remember he was like talking about like the wet smell of fall coming on the air, and, but it's still hot and you're still, you're sweating. Um, and, uh, and he's like got a job restocking soda machines, but he realizes that it's like a great way to pick up chicks because he's restocking soda machines like at the public pool. He's restocking soda machines like at the park. And he's like kind of, you know, he talks about like he's basically racking up a body count like over the summer before he goes to college. And in that like Stephen King way, like it's it's sweet and it's like he's trying to um, get experience before he goes to school. But then he likes it a little too much and he realizes like stocking all these machines, he's starting to get some muscles for the first time in his life. And a lot of women are paying attention to him. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like hitting all the classics. There's like a scene where he chugs two ice cold Coca-Colas while wiping sweat from his brow. And it talks about like the feeling of the fizzy soda going down his throat. It's like just very Stephen Kingy. Um, hmm. Immediately uh, suspicious of this because King usually writes about Pepsi. But go on. Well, maybe it's Pepsi. This is a, this is not something I'm like reading verbatim. This is just like my memory. Um, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. I just remember laughing about like getting diabetes if you chugged two enormous like glass bottles of 1970s Coca Cola. <laughs> um, I, I do. I do want to like uh, point out how funny it is the idea of 
uh, a guy whose stock whose job is to stock the soda machine at a public pool. Yeah, might be just you know the most Stephen King protagonist. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, well, that he. <laughs> You know, that he is like pulling a huge body count as a result. Yeah. Of this. Like, like the, the ladies are coming up. They see him stocking the machine. They're like, oh, my God, this guy's got the keys to the kingdom. I mean, he's mm-hmm, like a, mm-hmm. you know, 19 year old shredded dude. Um, sure. And it's like in a time where, you know, no one's like on their phones. Everyone's just kind of like anyone who's that age is literally going to any public place, like looking for someone to bang. It's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so as you, so, do, as you do. I don't know. I listen, at that time, 1969-1970, that's absolutely what was going on. Yeah, that's that's probably fair. If you're not tied down, yeah, of course. <laughs> so so Alan's going around, he's slaying, um he's he's stocking soda machines. Um and then the like crux of the story is he 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 goes like he gets really into it, and then he starts getting more aggressive, like gets kind of pickup artisty, and he winds up picking up this woman, and it's like she's got long black like curly hair, she's she's got all these necklaces and bracelets, she's got like an accent he's not sure from where, and like this is you know they're like near a lake in a touristy area, so like she's he assumes she's like a tourist, and they wind up sleeping together, and he goes to like leave the next morning while she's asleep, and she catches him trying to like sneak out. Now, hold on, is this um, an older lady? She's a little older. She's like I don't know how old she was supposed to be. I think I think she's like probably like 30s. Um, okay, and he's 19. And he's like 19, yeah. So a little bit of a cougar. A little bit of a coog and uh and he's sneaking out of her like hotel room or or apartment or whatever, motel room that she's like renting um the next morning and she catches him sneaking out. And gets like incensed and then he gets like defensive and they wind up getting into like an argument and he goes to like leave and kind of being like a little pissant. I think he like knocks over like something on on the counter that like a perfume bottle or I don't even remember what it was, but he does like something dickish uh, as he's like walking out and she curses him and he like laughs it off and like leaves. I think. I don't think it's explicit. I think the subtext was like, this is like a gypsy or like, this is like a, you know, something that someone like a guy in like the sixties or seventies would like write off as like a, a mystical woman with like some kind of otherworldly powers or maybe not. You don't like know if it's sure. real. If let me, let real. me pause you for just a moment. Um, because we are getting into a thinner style territory. And I know oh, from shit. Yeah. when we recorded that episode that we found out that, you know uh, the sl- g word no longer no longer kosher we say romani now so i'm, I'm just yeah you know just for future reference i, I know I, you didn't that's not coming i think from i was leaning hate, too much though, into the uh the the ignorant of the time way that it would have been described but of course right, of course right, yeah, we I, know I, your I heart know is not filled with hate yes i appreciate it um yes. unless we're talking about the other steve king <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, Vespi here with a little mid-roll ad read for you. We have, once again, an ad to read to you from our good friends over at Lumi Labs. You know them, they are the kings of microdosing. That is taking a little THC gummy from time to time to keep you nice and even and cool and chill. You're not getting high off of these things unless you want to. You can do that too. You, I'm not. I'm not your dad. You can do whatever you want. But uh, the the intended purposes of these Lumi Labs gummies is to make you relaxed. Uh, I personally use them as a sleep aid. I have talked time and time again about 
uh, how I can easily slip into vampire hours. And I am doing so actually right now because guess what? I'm out of my Lumi Labs. I need to reorder. But what I do is I take those, uh, I pop a couple of them right before bed and that they just relax me. So uh, you should know about these by now, but if you don't, Lumi Labs offers THC gummies you can order and have delivered right to your door, no matter where you live in the country, no matter what your state's draconian marijuana laws are. Uh, that doesn't really matter because they use a synthetic strain of THC. So whether or not you use them like me uh, to help you get to sleep, or if you just want to feel chill all day long, we highly recommend these THC gummies, no matter what you do, you could be a, a, a data analyst, probably not a brain surgeon. If you do, you know, if you're a brain surgeon, you know, don't indulge yeah. during, during don't your do, work time. Don't do brain but, surgery on Lumi Labs. But if you run a Stephen King podcast, say totally cool and chill to use whenever you want. Yes. Um, so if you want to learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com. And if you like what you see, you can use the code KINGCAST to save 30% off your first order and get free shipping. Again, that's microdose.com, code KINGCAST. Now let's get back to the show. So she winds up like cursing him, but it's it's she's just basically like, you're cursed. And he like leaves. Because it's, it's a short story. They don't get in the nitty gritty. And then... From that point on, it's pretty much just penis trauma, like wall to wall for the rest of the short story, which is the thing to me. I'm like, as I've become more of a a constant reader um, throughout my adult life, like since college, since I like went back and started reading his books, I'm like, well, there is a lot of that in all of his books, just like bad things happening to people's penises and like hearing about it in, in, in graphic detail. And I feel like this is like the Rosetta Stone of of that. You're um, saying this is Stephen King's Antichrist is what's going on here? I mean, Antichrist on top of Antichrist on top of Antichrist. So like just some stuff that I have that I remember that I could list for you that happened from that point on to Alan's penis um, closed in a book, uh, gets a bad rash, um, hit with a hammer. Uh, ground into the dirt. I'd like to examine hit with a hammer a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. How does that accidentally happen? I think he's like, he, so he winds up, it winds up getting into like the end of summer and he's like trying to get some extra money before he actually goes. And so he's doing some repairs for like his landlord um, at the apartment that he's renting over the summer. Sure. um, For like some extra money on the side. It's basically like, yeah, if you restore the apartment while you're living there, I'm going to say you'll save some money on rent and then I'll give you some money at the end of the summer. So he's, he's like out there in his under, he's getting like kind of, he's like degrading through the story basically. Like he's, he's drinking more and he's like getting kind of angrier and like getting antagonistic towards, towards other people and towards like women because bad stuff keeps happening to him and to his penis specifically. Hmm. Um, and, and so he's like drunk and he's like in his tidy whities and he's out in like the yard, you know, his feet like crunching the the leaves that are starting to fall and he's smelling like the feeling of the autumn coming on. And he's, he's vibing and smoking a cigarette and, and uh, hammering like a garden box that he's like repairing or installing or something for like his landlord. Um, and he winds up just kind of thwacking his penis like head on. Um, because it's just sort of leaning through onto his the pants? table, it, through his underwear. He's just in his tidy whities. So there's why is he fucking doing construction work in his tidy whities? 
because he's just kind of like, you know, again, he's degraded. Like he's drinking, he's not being responsible. He's like acting out. It's a hot summer day. He's only had a couple of Pepsis <laughs> and he's thirsty and it's hot out and he doesn't want to go buy another sure. Pepsi because he's saving up for college. So he's just like out there uh-huh. um, hammering boards and then right. misses and smashes his uh, his penis. Happens to the best of us. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So, so then what happens? Well, I'm only halfway through the list. Uh, it also gets... Uh, ground into the dirt um, and uh, stuck actually in a Pepsi bottle. Um, And there's like a scene where he has to pull it out and it's a whole thing. Um, Really itchy. There's a while where it gets really itchy. Um, It starts to smell of rot and feel too soft. Okay. um, It seems to me like maybe he just caught a couple STDs from throwing it around a little. (laughs) So that's the kind of thing that's interesting about it is like, it's not, not about something like it's, 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 it's a, it's a supernatural (laughs) story that is about, you know, someone who gets cursed um, after, after making a mistake and being unkind Hmm. to to the wrong person. But at the same time, like it kind of becomes like he doesn't know. He's like, did I catch something? He goes to his doctor. His doctor is like, he's like, doesn't it doesn't it smell like rot? Doesn't it feel too soft? And his doctor's like, no, it's it's your penis is normal. Your penis is a perfectly fine. fine penis you have there, Alan. Yeah, says. It, it smells good and it feels Actually, good. I remember. No, the doctor says like weird shit. The doctor's like, it's a it's a particularly good penis. It's like longer and, and girthier than than most of the penises I see as a doctor. Um, but then Alan doesn't take it as a compliment. But that's another thing that feels very weirdly Stephen King is like he goes to see his doctor, the doctor just winds up being um kind of a weird creep and saying right. something where it's like, You should be proud of your your Johnson. Um You sure he didn't go to a pediatrician? Um, no, because he's not in like his hometown. Right. Um he's <laughs> what the fuck did- so he's not going to like his pediatrician because like a lot of 19 year olds, I think, still still are, you know, right. back home and and seeing the doctor they've seen since they Isn't were Isn't there an but... age limit on a pediatrician? Um, I don't know. I'm not a pediatrician. Like if I still live at home, not in the 1960s, 30. anything yeah. went back then. Well, yeah. fair enough. Yeah. A lot of, right. a lot of still doing house calls. Did, a lot of pediatricians then. were doing like kids and dogs. So I think it was just mm-hmm. looser. That was before they had vets. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You just let an animal die, and then like some some of the pediatricians were like, "We'll do dogs," and then vets came later. I think that was like an '80s thing, right? Yeah. Okay, so what else is on the list? Um, well, there's a while where it smells like an old baseball glove. Um, wow. Yeah. And then there's a while where so there's like this. So the the other thing that starts happening is like he's getting paranoid because he's like, I don't know if this is real. I don't know if I have uh, disease or if she really cursed me. Um, right. And then it starts to play with because you're in Alan's perspective, so it starts to play with like, is this real? So so there's mm-hmm. a while where um, we're not a while. There's like a sequence where it's inside out. Um, but that, where you like go inside his brain? No, no, the penis is inside out. Oh, the penis! I thought yeah, <laughs> I thought you were referencing the Pixar no. He can classic, see like the out. he can see like what the veins for a stuff. while. It's inside. I that was a that was a <laughs> mistake. I I meant to. Like, there's a sequence. There's a sequence where it's inside out. I think I think back on it as like there's stretches where just different things happen to his penis that right. are bad, um, like the seasons of the year. But it's all obviously during the summer. So, um, so so yeah. It's, so it's, are you? So when it's inside out, like how does he describe it as like that water willy shit? Do you, you know um, what I'm talking about? Like like wet and slick with blood, but you can see the veins. He gets into oh, the vascular okay. stuff a lot. Well, that that's disconcerting. If if I that looked sounds- down and saw my penis was inside out, I would. Uh, not handle that very well. 
No, and he's like, is it going to pee in now? And I don't know what's going to happen. Right, some and Clive Barker shit. I'll tell it you is. what. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe Barker borrowed. I don't know. He might have read Could this. Be. But, but um, uh, the to me, like the, the best scene in the book and the one that I did, the specific one that I recited at parties. Um, so he starts to do research on this woman to try to find out who she is um, and winds up learning that she actually uh, is from the town and in fact um, died in the town uh, like decades ago. Boo. And so he's like, well, what the fuck happened? Like, did I, did I fuck a ghost or like what, what was that? Um, and so he winds up going to a graveyard um, at night uh, so that he doesn't like, I don't know, arouse too much suspicion. I personally yes. would go to a graveyard at night, but he, so he goes to this graveyard and he like finds her grave and her, her like rotting corpse rises out of the grave and it gets into like the, the stink of the old bone and, and the, the skin hanging off looking ragged and, and Brown and, and just like decayed and, and started to turn like jet black and just, and, and um, the maggots and, and they're crawling on him and he's trying to get away and it comes out of the ground and it just squeezes um, the shaft of his penis so hard that uh, I, and this is the part that I have verbatim here. Um, hmm. It, it left an indentation like when you've worn an engagement ring uh, your whole life uh, around the tip of his penis before the tip itself actually begins, but on the shaft itself, mm. um, like a ringlet of dents from the skeleton finger that wrapped itself around uh, the shaft of his of his penis. Um, and so at that point in the story, there's like a turn then <laughs> where... <laughs> what? <laughs> at that point, there's a turn. <laughs> yeah. Um, because that's when things begin to become more like fully formed and real to him. Mm-hmm. And he sure. starts talking to uh, um, the, a friend of his at, uh, he's like the other guy that stocks soda machine. He has like someone who basically like he and another guy are bringing these pallets out on these rolling dollies. And then he stocks the machine and the other guy like takes out the quarters basically. Um, and so the other guy, uh, I'll also say like, this is similarly like, probably not the most respectful uh thing but it's of its time the other guy's name is stammering danny it's like his nickname mm-hmm. right um that's and- so much that's so uh, when you said like and it's a product of its time so you know his name is i thought you were going to say something so much worse than stammering <laughs> danny yeah um well that's good i do still think it's like because the thing is the reason like stammering isn't even problematic no, but the reason stuttering that isn't pop problematic. No, but the reason that he's called Stammering Danny is because he has a stutter, and honestly, the way that he's written, I I think the idea is that he's, um, he has a, like a severe mental handicap. So I, mm. I think, like, oh, I see. Yeah, so I, like I think a simple it's, Jack situation. Yeah, or like I don't know. I guess yeah, yeah. I like that, and it's it's not the most respectful or responsible writing of the character, but. Um, he has like no one else to talk to. He's not respected this guy all summer. The guy follows him around and asks him like childlike questions and tells him like, you're so cool. He like admires him for how he like picks up chicks. Right. Um, but you know, Alan won't give him the time of day cause he's mm. not, he's focused on the, the, the chicks. And so, right. um, 
so he winds up like sobbing and like trying to tell Danny it's it's like kind of like a you know asking your friend like does this look infected to you but about the the indentations on his penis um, right. from skeleton hand he has um, stammering Danny this yeah and he's it's like his and low he whips point. it out it's like, it's like the low point he's like look look you have to believe me like you see it you see it and he whips it out yeah. and stammering Danny is just like oh that's from and he like knows the the person's name the the dead the undead witch whatever's name right yes um and alan is like what and it turns out that danny um is also some kind of supernatural presence in the town who's like a counterbalance that's been there this whole time that could have helped alan to this like <laughs> vengeful evil conduit demonic spirit whatever um that is this woman and they wind up going and doing a séance at the gravesite and bringing her into the corporeal realm and Stammer and Danny winds up uh actually like forcing her out of existence um with with what's described as like godlight um and it winds up blinding Alan permanently but his penis goes back to normal um and then in the end it's you know kind of typical like you you realize that it's all been from the perspective of like an older Alan and uh, he's moved to like a town called Widemeyer in Indiana, and and despite being blind in his life from that point forward, like he was able to continue in the path of life that he had intended, and and uh, and and become uh, a businessman, and now he owns uh, actually a soda machine business um, as an older man, and that's that's the like end of the story. Wow. Well, um. Vespi, uh, you've been mostly quiet during this. I'm I'm curious where your head is at at this juncture. I've been I've been taking it all in because it yes. both sounds extremely Stephen King tropey and also reeks of of a uh, an immense amount of bullshit. And I love <laughs> and I love the combination of the two. Hmm. Uh, and I I just I can't I the the creativity involved real or not is. Some of my favorite things I've ever uh, listened to while recording the show. So, well, um, I, I mean, I like I, I like personally is like a very early King story that like, right. because it feels like a lot of his his um, preoccupations <laughs> are it does are like for, and has for a instance story having a, a, a say a a special needs character mm-hmm. um, appear who is also you know uh, a force for good ultimately. Right. You know, he is like a supernatural he, force. Yeah. Where, where is yes. he, where is Scott? He usually would not be. Well, <laughs> the implication well, of what you just said. I mean, what? have you have you read the regulators? Oh, <laughs> because I, I have it. <laughs> OK, well, he has he's been a little clunky, uh, I'll say, mm-hmm. in okay. terms of his depictions of people with, say, aut- people that are on the spectrum. Right. All oh, right. And uh, in the regulators, uh, there is uh, a, a bloodbath that occurs. Uh, in this neighborhood, in a literal sense, or like you mean people getting hurt? Mm. I mean, a lot of people getting getting hurt. Not, like in the regulators, it's like imagine a normal neighborhood, and then one day, like uh, I'm, I'm going to describe it. I'm going to describe this as you will understand it, but this is not literally what happens. But it's close, okay? Mm. So imagine you're in a normal neighborhood, and it's it's just your standard day, and then the Ninja Turtles van rolls up the street and just starts. People start shooting out of Launching it, shotgunning people to death. Oh, and, but it's and not pizzas. What have you? Got it. Um, regulators, you ultimately find out that there is a 
there is somebody who is on the spectrum, an autistic kid in the area who's um, basically like, uh, how do you, how do we describe this, Vespi? Like he's, he's like willing, willing his, his toys, like these action figures that are right. like somewhere between Ninja Turtles or like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers into reality. And these things have showed up in reality and are just fucking everything up. Are right. they called the regulators? Is that they're like special? I believe names? so. Yeah. 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 I mean, this was all King like trying to write under under Bachman. Oh, that's uh, you yeah, know. yeah. So it's, it's him like putting on like a weird, darker tone. Hmm. Uh, to to uh, to to his normal because normally like he'll have like say Shimi in the Dark Tower or Duddits right. famously in in Dreamcatcher oh, where he's Duddits where you know where you're gonna be bringing uh again problematically bringing in uh characters with special needs um mm-hmm. uh and, and th- this this kind of corner trope is fascinating especially if we can trace it back to the story. Cause I don't think there's anything you said. This is like what? 68, 69. I, it was 69 or 70, 69, 70. Yeah. Cause I don't think that we could trace back this trope before Alan's penis. So I don't know. I'm just sitting here trying to put all the pieces together because this completely shakes up my, my understanding of, of, uh, Right. You know, King's trajectory, you know, as you should ask him about it. Cause I haven't obviously been able to get in touch. Right. (laughs) We'll have to keep that in mind. Um, okay. Certainly, but um, I, I have I have further questions for you. You yeah. you said that you staged uh, live readings of this. Yeah. Sections. In, in the house yeah. on in uh, University of Florida Tallahassee. You said uh, Florida State University in mm, Tallahassee, okay. Florida. Yeah, at my house, which was called Blue House because it was blue. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. How long is this story? Oh, maybe five pages. All of that was five pages. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Well, that's an economy of words that I, I have simply never encountered before. But uh, wait, sorry. Uh, I wait. You mean like the whole story? Yeah, because okay. I, I thought, mean, if you're I reading thought, this thing out loud, I thought you meant the inside out for, part for a while. Um, no, oh. that's okay. the the whole story is is maybe more like sixty. Sixty pages. Of it's this, a big uh, magazine. This porno it's mag thick. was taken yeah. up right with with uh, with this story. Yeah. Well, I mean, All right, I think I buy it. It's no- notoriously they would print these uh, um, these stories in very small print as well, so they could fit in like twelve pages. But it really is probably sixty pages worth of writing. Yeah, I mean, I if if you were to put it into a novel, I think it'd be sixty pages. And I think in the presence of the magazine, which was th- on the thicker side, it was right. It was probably five Much pages like of real Alan's estate. Penis. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was probably five pages in, in, in the magazine, but, uh, yeah, it is basically like an enormous block of text just from top to, to bottom. Like they had to squeeze in Hmm. as much as they could, like Alan did. Well, I have to assume that the fact that we like, like, I'll be honest with you. I, 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 I looked this up while we're on the air, right. Mm -hmm. While you're, you're telling us about this, Ben. Yeah. Were you able to find anything or no, I see no records of this. Okay. And and you mentioned something kind of in passing earlier about this, you know, being uh, hard to find anything about online. Um, can you can you tell us anything further about that? I mean, look, like there's a lot of media that I've tried to get my hands on out of curiosity uh, over the years. 
either something I read about in a library book or something that I read about in print where it's like, okay, is this online? Mm -hmm. And for what it's worth, often the situation I run into is like, you need to get a copy of this other physical object to be able to read. So I would say like, look, if you want to get on eBay and try to buy a lot of like rogue magazine issues from 1969, 1968, 1970, um, I wish I could point you towards the exact right one uh, and, and see, you know, sift through them. Um, right. I'm, I'm certain it's in there. I mean, I guess the question I have, you're the experts, you're the Stephen King experts is, is everything he wrote during that era republished in another place now? No, not necessarily. Okay. No, there, yeah. There, there's quite a, a list of stuff that he wrote in the like 50s, 60s and early 70s that uh, still is unpublished to this day, but they usually tend to make their way uh, into collections of some sort. You know, we have a new short story collection on the horizon. So, and he hasn't really released a full list of all the stories there. So maybe we'll see it there. Or maybe he just does, you know, frankly, yeah, you I'm might be go, embarrassed to buy the story. Think, <clears throat> yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, we're not going to see that in you like it darker. Is that what it's called? Um, you if like it's it darker? Been, like right. if if this it's not you like it girthier. So it's yeah, the, it the, well, the, the new if short we're talking story 69, that's the name 70, of it is you like it darker. Yeah. Gotcha. Like I, I don't think he's he's pulling the he's whipping this one out after all this time to mm-hmm. corner it. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. But I mean, um I at least part of what uh Ben is telling us is true. I, I look up Rogue magazine, Harlan Ellison was in fact an editor. Uh-huh. Uh, Hunter S. Thompson wrote for this magazine. It was based yeah. out of Chicago. You know, this is uh, this is all verifiable stuff, right? Huh? I mean, I mean it makes it, me wonder if King, if King, if, if either two things, King is embarrassed about the story and doesn't want it out there. Uh, maybe he's buying up those copies. Maybe that's why they're so fucking expensive now. You know, like um, uh, fucking Lucas did with the holiday special for years. All right. So that's either that or he was he's holding it for, for his own the holiday special. What's that? Lucas was he was buying. Yeah, he pop- would. Uh, uh, there's two two examples I can think of. Lucas, he would buy up and he would also do raids and stuff at conventions. And this is 100 percent true. He would raid uh, like fan conventions, like pre proto Comic Con style things and like like confiscate all the bootlegs and shit of the holiday special. He was trying to stamp it out out of any sort of memory. Um, uh, so it. that happened there. And then also the uh the weinsteins tried to do that with the burning as well they hated the burning uh before they had other that's problems fucking to deal crazy with. but yeah, uh but they the did that they would buy up rules. no shit the harvey weinstein would buy up copies of the burning on vhs on ebay and fucking just destroy them and that that's all that that is 100 percent true which is crazy because the burning is probably one of the best things that that uh that dude should be happy that did he like would- not know you could rip a dvd this is pre pre like was he evil like and right stupid? at the proto DVD era, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> but yeah, so but I think it would be easier for King if if this truly is something he didn't want out there, um, for him to you know erase a story like that that's already not super known. I'm hoping versus it's trying more... to stamp out something that aired on TV and people have recordings of. You know what I mean? I mean, I'd be really thrilled if it did appear because I, I don't think there's any reason to be ashamed of it. It's 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 really good. The tensions maintained throughout the perspectives, not knowing, like, is there really a skeleton grabbing his penis? Is it a hallucination? Right. Is it really too soft and smells like rot? Or is it 
is his doctor right? Is his doctor tricking him? Is there some kind of a conspiracy? Did he sleep with like the doctor's wife and doesn't know, like not really knowing where it's going to go and the tone and like that does such a good job of describing how everything just tangibly feels. I don't know. I think it's good. Like it does a good, it does that great Stephen King thing where it describes um, it with specificity, the names of stuff where you're like, Oh, I guess that's what that's called. Like, Oh, the, the, <laughs> right. the, the passenger side door, door, saddle he like slid into it or like oh she sat out on her rain stoop and i'm like i guess that's what that's called i didn't know that it had a name it does all of that like i think it's a good sure i mean honestly like so you said it's called you like it darker yes that's the short story collection coming out yeah if he's not if it's not in there like i would say like you know tweet hashtag put alan's penis in you like it darker and try to get it because like i don't think it's something to be ashamed of i think it's it's worth having out there and revisiting is both as like a piece of history, just as like this starting point for so many of his preoccupations, but also it's a good, it's a good short. It has atmosphere and it's fun. Alan's a great character. I feel like, you know, one of my big issues is is that I feel like Alan's penis is a terrible name for this story. I don't know. I mean, it's direct. It's direct, but wasn't it Hemingway who was like, you should just say what you want to say and stop. Right, sure, but but King is King's a little more florid than a uh, Hemingway, I think. Right, you know, Mm. there's what would you you call it? I don't, I don't know. I'm not Stephen King, but I wouldn't call it at Alan's penis. The skeletal grip, skeletal grip is pretty good. Cuttingly obvious to me. Yeah, that's the problem. Mm. It also makes googling it very problematic, and is uh, I'm sure going to impact my. uh, my search history in a way that I don't want it to and all the ads I will be served. I don't know. I like mean, even the use of the word penis sounds too clinical for, for Rogue Magazine for, to me. Yeah, maybe. F- well, but no, because Rogue Magazine was also, you know, that was kind of the thrill of it. Right. Um, it didn't dance around things. Um, and then also, yeah, this uh, you isn't know. Hustler or something. They're, they're not going to call it like Alan's cock, you know? Yeah. It's, and as far uh, as but, the, the story and the title itself, like how many times would you guess the word penis appears in Stephen King's writing? Oh, quite a bit. <laughs> Lots. Is that, is that a good guess? A thousand? Uh, I will, I mean. 10,000? I mean, this surely whatever the number I have in mind must increase tenfold 20, based 000? on this short story alone. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, we. Well, uh, yes and no. I mean, you can you can definitely tell that he's like reaching. Because he has to talk about it so much. You could tell that at a certain point, it's like really reaching to come up with more ways to say penis. I mean, they're all in here. Yeah, we early in our run, we did a bonus episode with a writer by the name of Britt Hayes, who for some years maintained a Tumblr account called Stephen King's Boners. Mm. And this Tumblr account documented every instance of an erection in Stephen King's short stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, there were a lot of them. There were a lot, there were enough of them to uh, keep that, that Tumblr blog going for uh, quite some time. I mean, maybe uh, Brit has some stuff from Alan's penis in there then. Cause it definitely, I mean, Alan's penis gets hard multiple times in the story. Mm. Um, yeah. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, you can no, definitely tell I, like, I don't remember it making her list, but that might just go to the rarity of the story. I would just ask ask Britt just in case. I mean, it might be in there somewhere. Like, you know, right. I, 
but I mean, yeah, it's like, you know, he has to go to the well. It's he calls it penis, stick, prick, member, tool, organ, cock, wang, knob, chopper, plonker, dong, winkle, joystick, pecker, weenie, wang. Did I say wang already? Schlong, willy. I was hoping Schlong I mean, would make it in there. That's one of my favorites. It's, he has to like really reach into the huh. into the well quite a bit. <laughs> Well, you know the, the dude has a way with words, so I I don't uh, I don't doubt doubt the veracity of your statement there. Yeah, at the very least, he had a th- thesaurus. Yeah. Well, yeah. it does sound like we have another collectible to track down, Vespi. Yeah, I do. I do like finding those kind of rare stories sure. like that. So, uh, um, yeah, like I, I got after. Remember, we did that um, that uh, episode with Stephen Graham Jones on the the monkey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like I, I was I was able to track down like the original release of that was like this insert that was in a magazine, you know, is it, his own special insert. And, uh, you know, I was able to have that for like twenty five bucks. Doesn't sound like I'll be getting my hands on Alan's penis for no measly twenty five dollars. But, uh, but I'm, <laughs> I don't know. But I'll give you Alan's penis if you try. <laughs> well, I don't I don't want to get cursed. I, I know the curse will pass on to me, so I will yeah. be very. Very delicate with Alan's penis, should I get it? So, Well, it is always, you know, delightful to find out that there are further corners in this universe that we have spent the last three years, you know, exploring. You know, the, right. the, the body of work that, that Stephen King has created. And I think that the biggest takeaway that I have from this conversation, Vespi, uh, is that you and I still have a lot to learn. Yeah, that's true. I think we all have a lot to learn. We should never stop learning. Be like water. That's true. That's well, true. I, I do want to thank you, Ben, though, because when the whole idea uh, was pitched by Scott, I was terrified that it was going to be something that I I knew like a little bit, but didn't have any like anything really interesting to say about it or, you know, any thoughts on it, or I should, the title I should know better. Like say if you'd come with, uh, uh, you know, the, the baseball book he co-wrote, you know, called faithful. It's like, I really should know that one, but I, that's one of his that I haven't read because I don't give a shit about baseball, but it would be really embarrassing to like do a whole, you know, episode on that, not knowing it, but you know, with, since you brought us something so rare um, and just, you know, so unresearchable, actually, like it, it takes a lot of the pressure off of me. Um, and uh, and that was that was really uh, kind of you to do. And I appreciate it. Happy to help. Yeah. Now, this is usually the point in the show where we open up uh, the floor to our to our guests to, you know, promote whatever whatever it is they want to draw attention to. It sounds, you know, Mac and me, too, didn't work out. Um, didn't, no. You. You know, you're kind of starting over from scratch, thanks to the uh, thanks to the ongoing strike, yeah, uh, or strikes that you know uh, might have impaired you going out to pitch. Um, but would you like to use this time to point people toward the the stuff that, that they can already watch that you have done? Yeah, um, we just got some Emmy nominations for Kung Fu Panda: The Dragon Knight. That's congrats on, on Netflix. That. Thank you. So if you, uh, you know. If you really like Kung Fu Panda or if you've got a family you want to sit down and watch a show with, there's there's that. All three seasons are are currently up on Netflix and it has an ending. So you can just watch those three and that's that. Oh, um, or keep on the Age of Wonder Beasts, which is like the best show I've ever worked on and, and may always be. It's a, it's a masterpiece. I highly recommend watching it. I'm really, really proud of that one. 
um, and the small part I got to play in, in making it. Right on. Yeah. Well, and you. then wait for more stuff later. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, of course. So if anybody listening You're uh, doing- knows the people with the film rights department at McDonald's, yeah. shake that tree for us. Yeah. You are. I want to see Mac and me, Paul Rudd. Didn't I uh, see you're doing more Kung Fu Panda? I am not doing more Kung Fu Panda. I'm, what? I'm done with my, with my Kung Fu Panda adventures. Wait, so they're doing more Kung Fu Panda, but you're not involved? They're making Kung Fu Panda 4, but that movie was in development kind of parallel to oh, our show. so it's right. a movie, not a series. Yeah, they're making a oh, sequel to Kung Fu Panda 3. Our show is kind of like its own thing. It's like uses some of the stuff from the lore of Kung Fu Panda. It invents some new stuff and then it has its ending and it's not going to have, we're, we're just, that, that's the end of the story we wanted to tell. So it's kind of like a three part uh, story that is, that has Poe in it and is in the Kung Fu Panda universe, but it's its own thing. Kung Fu Panda 4 comes out soon and that's like a sequel to Kung Fu Panda 3. Right on. Yeah. Right and on. Root, root for Jack Black to win his Emmy for, uh, for voicing Poe in of our course. show. Hell yeah. We love Jack. If uh, if Friend Jack wins an Emmy, can you get him on the show? I can ask. We're well. trying <laughs> to do more stuff together. I'm hoping it happens. I'll ask him to come on. Hey, you know what? Shit. Maybe Jack Black stars as Alan and you There remake. we go. Yeah. Boom. And if I have any trouble with the title, I could just call it like Boned. <laughs> it has multiple meanings. Bone is like He's such boned. a better title. Yes. He bones people. Mm-hmm. A, a skeleton bone wraps itself around coils around his penis and leaves an indentation like an engagement ring <laughs> he's worn for decades. Not yes. for nothing. I know it would be radically changing the source material, but Jack Black starring in a movie where his penis is cursed uh sounds really fucking funny to me. So, yeah. so uh it's I like want to see that. Shallow Hal meets Idle Hands. <laughs> Idle Schlongs starring Jack Black. All right. Yes. (laughs) Great. Well, Ben, thank you as always for being here. This was a delight. It was a treat. uh, You know, we wish you luck on those pitches and we will talk again soon. Thanks for having me. Um, so we're sorry. I think, I think we should say we're sorry. (laughs) Is that what should we, we should say first? Yes. Thank our guests first and then you can go, go with the, uh, well, thank you, Ben, for injecting exactly the amount of chaos that we expected when we asked (laughs) you to come on the show and inject chaos into the show. Um, and to anyone who was not on board with this, uh, well, we didn't know what he was going to do. So you can't blame us. You're going to have to blame Ben. We're not, we're not bullshitting when we said we were ambushed. We had no idea what he was going to come on and talk about. Yes. Um, and, uh, I still don't really know what he came on and talked about. If I'm going to be perfectly honest, uh, uh, perhaps the most surreal episode that we've ever recorded. I felt like my brain was melting during this. Yeah, we, we were, I think we were both independently hardcore Googling whenever he started describing the, the, the title or before he even dropped the title, describing the story. It's like, what is this? What could it be? And it was just as ridiculous as possible. I really hope this is one of the uh, episodes that Stephen King decides to listen to because he is going to write us off completely and wholeheartedly for the rest of uh, his career and our art <laughs> here uh, if he does. Yeah. But uh, yeah, um, I remember Googling Alan's penis, A-L-A-N apostrophe S and then being like, hmm, maybe it's Alan's penis, A-L-L-E-N <laughs> apostrophe S. Yeah, um, I think we know what happened here. I, yes. I think we I think we know the reality. Yeah, we we caught on probably around the time you guys did. And uh, 
and then just rolled with it. And I hope you guys had a, a, a fun time because I think once we started realizing what was going on and we were rolling with it, that's when it, the episode really yes. kind of catches fire and becomes really fun. So hopefully you guys had a fun time with that uh, kind of weird curveball episode. I know we did. Yes. Now, um, we are pressed for time, so I'm going to I'm going to give this to you real quick, folks. Yes. Next week in the main feed, we have an artist by the name of Chris Cooper on the show. That's at Art of Coop on Twitter. Uh, a legendary gig poster artist, pop pop culture artist, uh, loves drawing uh, naked ladies and Satan. A good friend of mine. Uh, he's coming on the show to discuss Mike Flanagan's Doctor Sleep. We just recorded that episode and he knocked it right the fuck out of the park. Yeah, and, super fun one. Yeah, and we recorded another episode earlier today. This week's bonus episode which is going to feature Fangoria's UK correspondent, Amber T, uh, at Horn Bloodfire on Twitter, if you'd like to pre-follow her, uh, coming on to talk to us about J-Horror and Crouch End. You will be shocked at uh, how much these two things have in common. Um, yes. And we recorded that earlier today, also a banger. So. Yes. Uh, it's Plenty been of good door to door bangers to. today in terms yes. of recording, and and you guys get to reap the benefits starting Friday. That is right over at our Patreon. Sign up for Patreon at patreon.com slash the Kingcast. And uh, yeah, we got to get the fuck out of here. So we will talk to y'all later. Adios, folks. Bye. The Kingcast is a Fangoria podcast production. The show is produced, hosted, and created by Eric Vespi, that's me, and Scott Wampler. Tira Andley and Abby Goel are executive producers. Daniel Danger is our art director, and editing is done by yours truly.